Joshua chapter 2. Here's what the Word of God says. Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies from the Acacia Grove, saying, Go and scout the land, especially Jericho. So they left, and they came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelite men have come here tonight to investigate the land. Then the king of Jericho sent word to Rahab and said, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house, for they came to investigate the entire land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. So she said, Yes, the men did come to me, but I didn't know where they were from. At nightfall, when the city gate was about to close, the men went out, and I don't know uh, where they were going. Chase after them quickly. You can catch up with them. But she had actually taken them up on the roof and hidden them among the stalks of flax that she had arranged on the roof. The men pursued them along the road to the fords of the Jordan, and as soon as they left to pursue them, the city gate was shut. Before the men fell asleep, she went up on the roof and she said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land, and that the terror of you has fallen on us, and everyone who lives in this land is panicked because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water at the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sihon and Og and the two Amorite kings that you completely destroyed across the Jordan. When we heard this, we lost heart, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. Whew, that's good, right? On heaven, uh, in heaven above and earth below. Now please swear to me by the Lord that you'll also show kindness to my father's family because I showed kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you'll spare the lives of my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all who belong to them and save us from death. And the men answered her, we'll give our lives for yours if you don't report our mission. And the story goes on that she lowers them down from the wall. Uh, they go back and they tell Joshua, hey, God's got this. God's got this. And so when we talk about transition and we talk about uh, what, 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 what is different here is God gives us this story where his kids are doing something they've already done. Ever been there? Ever do something you've already done? Uh, only this time it's a different generation. And so with that in mind, the Lord just really gave me one main point that I want to focus on. And then I'm going to highlight some different aspects of that one main point uh, this morning. Because I think those aspects uh, will speak to us where we are, uh, both, both personally but also corporately as a church. So here's the big idea this morning, just one main idea. I want you to know that it's possible to love and honor those that have gone before us while making sure that we don't repeat their mistakes. Okay? I'm going to say that one more time. I want you to know that it is possible to love and honor those that have gone before us while making sure that we don't repeat their mistakes. And so the big idea, the big thing I want you to catch is this is not the first time that spies are sent into the promised land, right? That, that happened under Moses. He was the first guy to do it. Moses sent 12 spies, right? He spent, sent 12 spies into the promised land. They were gone for 40 days. They went into the valley of Eshol uh, where they discovered great fruit. And when they came back, this is what they reported to Moses back in the day. Numbers 13, 27. It says, they reported to Moses, we went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. And here is some of its fruit. And when they said that, 
Uh, now listen, in the valley of Eshol, there was so much fruit, they, they cut down uh, just, one, um, just, just one thing of grapes, one cluster of grapes. And the one cluster of grapes was so big, they had to hang it on a pole between two grown men, right? So when they get back, two grown men pull between them, giant cluster of grapes, and they're like, yeah, there's some fruit there, right? And so that's the report, or at least part of it, because that wasn't their whole report. They, they also went on to say, verse 28, however, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large, and they're fortified. Hello, Jericho, that's in our text today. Uh, and we also saw the descendants of uh, Anak there, all right, giants. In other words, there's giants in the promised land, all right? I wish the report stopped there, but it didn't. They went on, verse 31 and 32. The men who had gone up with him responded, we can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land that they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants and all the people we saw in it are men of great size. And so the voices of ten men drowned out the voices of two. Uh, Joshua and Caleb spoke uh, and said, listen, the Lord has given this land to us. He promised he would, and I didn't see anything there that said we couldn't do that. But, but the, the voices of the ten stoked up fear in the people of God. And so the people of God, knowing what God called them to do, rejected what God called them to do. And the result was that they spent 40 years, they'd been 40 days checking out the land, now they would spend one year for every day wandering in the wilderness. And every single adult is going to die, and only their descendants will be able to enter into the promise of God. And you say, wow. All right, that's heavy. So pastor, what does that have to do with us? Well, one, I would think, it's pretty important, right? So we can start there. Excuse me, cough, cough drop. We're going to get through this. It's fine. Totally fine. Not contagious. Day four of antibiotics and steroids. We're great. So I want to explain, if I can, uh, I want to explain, if I can, what's going on. So now it is Joshua's turn. Now Joshua is is the one sending the spies. A new generation, it is now their turn to tackle one of their forefathers' greatest failures. And I would imagine, I don't, do you ever try to put yourself in somebody else's place? I think that's important. Adults, sometimes we stop doing that. Like we're grown up, we can't have an imagination anymore. I can't feel what other people might feel. Empathy is horrible. Put yourself where they are. It's, conflict, it's a conflicting thing, right? Maybe this is your story, by the way, in your family. Maybe there's a great failure. There is in mine, right? And I love my dad greatly, but part of my life story is that I'm trying not to be like him in a lot of areas. And it, it causes some issues with me emotionally. Can I just share that with you guys? That I'm not always okay, right? And I believe that there's conflict going on here, and I think in that conflict we can learn some really powerful lessons so I, I want to I I talk about this main idea, y'all, that it is possible to love, honor those that have gone before us while making sure that we don't repeat their mistakes. And, and, and with that in mind, I'm going to point out three things. Uh, number one here, that first little bullet, 
is that we don't always need more perspectives. Sometimes we just need more of God's perspective. All right? So something happens here that's different. Uh, We have two accounts of spies going into the promised land, and the two accounts are different. It's not the same. It should stand out to us. We're meant to put these accounts on top of each other to see what's the same, to see what's different. Surely the way they respond is different, but something else is different, right? Moses sends in 12. One voice for each tribe. Everyone's heard, right? Everyone's heard. This should speak to you. We live in a generation where we care what everyone else says. I've got to hear from everybody. I've got to have public approval. I've got to make sure that it's correct with everyone. It's really important, right? And, and in fact, we use terms. I hate this term, by the way. Um, I love you. I'm going to tell you right now, just in love, what I'll do to you if you use the term with me. I'll, I'll escort you from the conversation we're having. But if I'm having a conversation with you and you say, let me play devil's advocate, I'll kindly ask you to leave the room because I don't need the devil involved in my decision process. All right? He's already all up in this business way too much. I don't need any more devil. All right? So if you want to say, Pastor, could I maybe show you a different perspective? Cool, let's talk. But the moment you even voice devil's advocate, I will say, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? Not today. Not today. Had enough. Right? And, and in that generation where, listen, we live in this social media generation, y'all. You think I'm joking. We, we are constantly seeking all of these other perspectives, yet there's something different here. And so I asked myself all week, why, why did Joshua only send two guys instead of 12? Now, now listen, some would say, well, the text says because it's a secret mission, right? Uh, verse 1 says, Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two men as spies. So I'm going to give you that. That is what the text says. He secretly sent two men. However, uh, if you go back to when Moses sent the 12, he didn't make an announcement, y'all. This was also a secret mission, right? Back when he sent the 12, it was like, hey, shh, stay on the outskirts. Just go check it out. Like, it was also a secret mission. So I'm not, I'm not going to buy that it's solely because it's secret, okay? I'm going to think about who it is that's sending. And the person sending is none other than one of the voices that chose not to let fear be the driving force. Just one. And it's somebody that firsthand had to sit in a room with 12 guys when 10 of them were, were, were just echoing out and speaking louder and speaking more than he and Caleb could. He and Caleb are going, no, but, but what about God? God called us to this. God said he would provide. God is the victor, right? We've got to do what God wants. And you've got 10 voices going, but the giants are too big. No, the giants, did you see them? I'm telling you, did you know how tall they were? Do you know what they'll do to us? Did you see their city walls? Did you, did you see all the weapons that they formed against us? And they were so consumed by the voices of 10 that the voices of two men of faith were completely drowned out. And I tell you with everything in me that I believe that was part of Joshua's guiding decision to just send two. And y'all, there's some truth in that for us. Listen, it's okay to seek out counsel and to seek out wisdom. You know what's not okay? It's to seek out the opinion of every person in your life. Because can I tell you how much man's opinions really matter? 
Yeah. Do you want to know how, how biblical leadership looked in the Old Testament? God spoke to his prophets, his chosen prophets, priests, whatever you want to call them. And, and it, they were expected, the people were expected to follow. That's kind of how, how that worked. It was, it, was, it was more theocracy, not democracy. And any time that the people said, hey, we're going to lead, never worked out well. And when the people in your life, you allow them to lead, instead of listening to the voice of God, which, by the way, the voice of God doesn't always speak the way that we would like to, right? You're like me. Uh, you would love it if God would be like, hey! Stop it, you dummy. But God is usually like, hey, stop it, you dummy. He usually speaks in a whisper. And we live in a world where we've invited so many other voices in. So here's what I'm going to say to you. I, I, I believe this is meant to be biblically an area of tension for us. Where, we're, 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 yes, we, we do seek wise counsel, but we always have to weigh that against this truth. Am I, am I, do I care too much about what other people think than I do what God thinks? And so I want to share some scriptures with you along those lines. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Right? Um, one of the greatest uh, comments that is said against the religious rulers of Jesus' day uh, was this in John 12, 43, so that they loved human praise more than praise from God. It means that they were more concerned with what other people thought than they were with what God said. Y'all, can I, can I just speak to you a little bit? I love you. Social media, I love you. Facebook, Instagram, got to get me some likes. Got to know what everybody else wants. I got to post what's popular. I've got to ask 52 million people what they think I should do instead of praying about it and opening my Bible. Not stepping on any toes this morning, right? Okay. Paul kept these battles in mind when it came to ministry in 1 Thessalonians 2.4. He says, instead, just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we must speak not to please people but rather to please God. And so Christians, I'm going to tell you, I believe the Bible calls us into constant tension here that we would struggle with this concept and that we would be mindful that sometimes we do not need more perspectives. We do not need to turn to other people. But what we really need is just to turn to God himself. What does his word say? And if you don't know that, then find one or two people that know that, not 52 people that may not care about that. Does it make sense? Okay. So our big idea, it's possible to love and honor those that have gone before us while making sure we don't repeat their mistakes. So we don't always need more perspective. Sometimes we just need more of God's perspective. Secondly, though, I would, I would share with you, I think we learn from who's gone before us that enemy strongholds are nothing to God. Enemy strongholds are nothing to God. Uh, Jericho was a formidable city. It was intimidating. It was an intimidating enemy stronghold. I'm setting the table. Y'all better listen, right? So when you went up to it, the, the base wall, right, the stone wall was super thick, 
and was about 15 feet high. You go, that's nothing. I bet I could climb that. On top of that 15-foot uh, wall was a mud and brick wall that was closer to 25 to 28 feet. So now we're up over 40 feet, and you're going, ooh, right? Now remember, on top of walls, there's usually dudes with uh, bows and arrows, and I, I don't know, probably got some hot tar back then. Like, I mean, there's some stuff. It's, it's nasty. It's not awesome, right? And, 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 and not only from afar, but definitely when you stood there, 40 feet way higher than this ceiling, you looked up and you thought, there is no way I can overcome this. There's no way I can overcome this. But I want you to listen to the spies' report. Joshua 2, 24, they come back, they tell Joshua, the Lord has handed over the entire land to us. Everyone who lives in this land is also panicking because of us. That imposing enemy stronghold is nothing to God. So I want to speak to you on a personal level first, and I want to speak to you on a collective level, all right? So let's talk personally. Many of you in this room are facing an enemy stronghold right now that you think you could never overcome. I don't know what it is. It could be a private sin struggle. It could be something, maybe it's financial, maybe, I don't know. But there's something going on, and the enemy's all about it, and you look at it and you go, I, 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 don't, I don't think there's any way I can do this. And I'm going to tell you what Scripture would say. Uh, with man, these things are impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Ah, uh, and, and, and so listen, I, I just, I, I've been there, and, and I get you. And so when it comes to those enemy strongholds, sometimes we make progress, we get a little better, and then something happens, and what happens? Like, 40 feet's a long way to fall, amen? And some of you, you got on the other side of the wall at some point, but we're dummies, and you kind of opened up the door, and the enemy got back in, and now you're, you're thinking, man, I'll, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to do couple things. One, I would tell you the victory's already been won, y'all. Uh, like the, the enemy no longer controls the inside just because you messed up one time. I was going to use a different word, but we're in church and there's kids. Uh, so just, just saying, so you got to keep that in mind. But, but two, I'm going to tell you, listen, there is one who can defeat any stronghold the enemy would throw your way, and his name is Jesus. If the grave couldn't hold him, then there's no way that your sin can keep him, right? And so I'm just saying to you, there is a way to break through. That, that stronghold is nothing to him. So personally, I don't know what it is, but I, I want to I say to you, I know in a room this size, many of you could identify it right now. You could write it down. You go, this is, this is my thing. This is the thing that the enemy is always kicking my tail and I feel like I'm never going to win and I feel like I'm always going to be a failure and I, 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 just, I, I don't think God could ever use me. And you, you write down that thing. This is the thing. And I'm going to tell you, you know what? God can defeat that. God can, you can't. You're right. You've been trying. You've been trying to manage it. You can't manage sin, by the way. You can try to hide it. It doesn't work so well. Ask David usually gets worse. Or you can just bring it before God and say, God, I, I, I cannot scale this wall. Would you play some music and destroy it? <laughs> right? I can walk around it. I'll do that. I'll do whatever you tell me to do, but you're going to have to bring it down and let him bring it down. So, so I'm going to talk to you individually, but then I want to talk to you collectively for a second because there are some 
massive strongholds that the enemy is trying to throw our way. And uh, people hear that we're building a church and they think we are nuts. Not lying. You built a church coming out of COVID? That's nuts. They're like, like you, wait, wait, you built a church? Do, have you not been watching interest rates? You guys are crazy, right? I mean, you, you built a church. Like, what, what, are, you, what are you thinking? And, and y'all, I could go over all of the things that the enemy is throwing our way. I, I wrote some down. Like, like listen, uh, let's see, we've got COVID. We've got the economy. Uh, we've got the fact that people have never returned. We've got the fact that post-COVID, there's a lack of volunteers more than there ever have been before in churches, right? Uh, we're going to have, uh, oh, oh, we're starting in the middle of the summer. Yeah, that's great. Hey, let's wait. I got an idea. I got an idea. How about we wait till everyone goes on summer vacation and open the doors? Woo! Good planning. Hey, man, you could go through it one at a time. Money, you name it. And if it were up to us, I'm going to tell you, we can't do it. But man, isn't it awesome that the battle belongs to the Lord? Right? The enemy's strongholds are nothing to God. And when we say that we're going to be used by God to transform families, that is going to happen. And you say, well, pastor, how is it going to happen? I don't know. I don't know exactly what discipleship is going to look like in the new building. But I'm telling you, you can trust us that we care about it. Right? That we, we, we care that people grow in Jesus. I can't tell you exactly how every room will be used in a place that I've never stepped foot in, that I don't know how the sound works in, that I don't know how the parking lot will fill up or who will show up, but I can promise you it's on our, our list. And I promise you, you can trust God that he cares about it too, and it's going to be okay. So when we look at what happens differently... We see one group that is so focused in fear and they cannot see how God can move and they go, I'm out. And you see a second group, by the way, they send less eyes in, but they go, God has got this. We don't know how it's going to work either, but we trust in him, right? I hope we're the second group. Which brings me to the final point. I'll have to let you go. But it's this, I think faith calls us to finish well. Um, faith calls us to finish well. I, I, I love application, y'all, when you do something because of who God is. And so this is like my favorite verse in the whole story. When, when you get to the end of Joshua and the spies report, hey, God's got this. And then let's read the very next verse. This is Joshua 3.1, the next verse. Joshua started early the next morning. Period. Like, that's it. Joshua got up the next morning and said, let's go. Right? Oh, wait, God's in it? Cool. Let's go. Let's go. And, and, and they're going to do it. They're going to they're go to the Jordan. We're going to study this, how God parts the waters again. Again, we're meant to see how God parted the Red Sea, and he's going to part the Jordan. We're supposed to see all these connections. We'll, we'll study that together. Uh, but, but God was in it. So I, I want to tell you a little story about a church and before I came to you guys, the Lord called us up into the panhandle of Texas. And I mean the panhandle tip. Um, we were closer to Oklahoma than anywhere else. Uh, we were an hour north of Amarillo. Amarillo's pretty far. And, uh, and so, so, yeah, it was it's pretty high up there. 
And in this little town we were in, there, was, uh, there, was, there were these two Baptist churches that were about eight and a half feet apart. Yeah, that, that face right there, Galen. I was like, oh. And um, so curious, right? I mean, we were, we, were in there, we were there for five years. I had to go like, what is up with that? And I, I'm not going to give you their names, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the newer building, I, I call it Next Door Baptist Church. So this is the story of Next Door Baptist Church, not the real name. So the church uh, believed that God was leading them to build a new sanctuary uh, and like create a family life center. They were going to do all kinds of amazing ministry. And they believed the Lord was calling them to it. And when it came time, they built it. They financed it. And when it came time to move, I mean, the finish line, all they, they just had to move, they had to walk eight and a half feet. A whole group said, no, we're not doing it. And the church split, eight and a half feet apart. That is the saddest story in church life I can think of. That you are so close to the finish line that you're claiming to be men and women of faith that have heard from the Lord, and then you are overcome at the last second with fear or memories or, I mean, you name it, that you just go, no, no. And y'all, I'm just telling you, if you're not preparing yourself for it, it's coming. All the feels, all the heart tugs, all the stuff, we do have something good going for us, is we were all in agreement to sell this building, so you actually can't stay here. <laughs> Love you. <ya. laughs> it's going to be shut on Sunday, I'm just telling you. But you get the point. Man, my heart is that when we open up those doors in that new building, regardless of whether or not it's what we all want or like or are used to, that because God has led us, that we're all in going, God, I have no idea how this is going to work or look, but I trust you to do something so cool. And guys, if we will have that attitude and we will put the kingdom above our own wants and desires, God will move. And that's not just for you. That's for your leadership, y'all. If, if you knew how uncomfortable it makes me that I can't answer all of your questions... Like, you, I, like I, I, it's, it's a, it's a, if I, I'll stay up all night thinking, I've, I've literally had to just go to bed and go, ah, there you go, God, just trusting. We're going we're gonna to be called to make that kind of move, to finish well, to go, God, you've spoken, God, you've moved, and the next day we're going to have to go. Uh, by the way, uh, the next six weeks, y'all get prepared. You're going to get text messages. We're going to have work days. We've got to clean out buildings. We've got to move and assemble furniture. It's, and, and, and you know what? Y'all are like, well, where's the schedule? I can't give it to you yet. We, we, we haven't passed inspections. We don't have occupancy. I can't, like, I can't give none. It, I just know at the last second we're going to be busy. And it may be that we do it every night. And we have pizza and y'all show up. Like, it's gonna, but God's going to be in it. He's going to be in it. I just need you to trust that. So I'm going to give you some application. I'm going to let you go. Uh, three things real quick. Number one, uh, I think we need to appreciate those that got us here. And, and listen, it's okay. Uh, it's not unloving or unrespecting to admit this truth. Ready? Here it is. Do you know years ago, I mean years ago, 
I mean, before any of you, many of you ever got to this church, that this church had discussions about doing what we're doing now. Did y'all know that? The church years and years ago had discussions about buying property. And like, I mean, I mean, years ago, uh, some of you that have been here really, really long time, can y'all shake your heads? Be like, y'all kind of faintly remember this? Anybody faintly remember this? Show hand. Jeff's like, I kind of faintly remember. I mean, years ago that they had looked at the property and said, man, you know, we're kind of landlocked here. This was years ago. But you know what happened when they got down to it? The same thing that happened to the Israelites. You get too many voices, and too many of those voices go, no, we can't do that. No, that doesn't make sense. No, that, can you, can you imagine how easier this process would have been if that land was already ours? What if somebody had bought 100 acres 40 years ago? Can you imagine? So now we're doing the hard thing. And it's hard. This is not easy. This, this, oh, it's not easy. But man, God's, God's going to be in it. So, so I want to appreciate those that got, got us here. And it's okay to appreciate them and still say, but I don't want to make the same decisions as them. Okay? That's kind of the story of my life. So uh, I hope you'll understand that too. Uh, I want to challenge you to choose faith over fear. Right? That's not a political statement, by the way has nothing to do with masks. Um, That's spiritual. You are going to hear some voices in the next few weeks. Not all those voices are going to be the Lord. All right? Some of those are going to be emotions. Some of those are going to be, oh my gosh. I mean, you're you're going to see amount of money and, oh. I mean, trust me, I've, I've, I've heard them all. And I have, this is my spiritual and emotional life right now. Like some days I'm like, God, we got this. And other days I'm like, oh my God, we're going to die. We're not going to die. It's fine. It's fine. Jesus already did. Do you hear me? We're not going to die. Jesus already did. And he conquered it. We live. That's the story. That's who we are. That's our namesake, Right? God's got this. Jesus has this. So I want us to, I want to challenge you to choose faith over fear. Lastly, uh, I really want to challenge you to finish well. No next door Baptist church, amen? No next door. Saddest story you'll ever see. Eight and a half feet, y'all. Eight and a half, that close, and to miss it. Okay? Please, please, please hear me. Hear me. Don't miss what God is about to do. Make sure that you're there. Make sure that your family's there. Make sure that you're a part of that blessing. It is going to be worth it. Even if I can't tell you exactly how it's going to be worth it, it's going to be worth it. Make sure that you're a part of that blessing, all right? Let me pray for us. Father, thanks for loving us. You are good. Your word endures forever. Uh, I pray this makes sense to us, Lord, as we just kind of study this book, the, the early passages of Joshua together that you... Show us how this has to do with our story right now in this really historical time for this church. And God, history's tough. It's tough to be the one walking it out. I think sometimes we'd rather be the one just studying it. But Lord, that's what faith is. Faith is about following you even when we can't see how everything works. And it's by faith that we're justified, right? Faith is what the kingdom is all about. So help us experience that kingdom, your kingdom, in a whole new way as we walk by this faith, Lord. Bind our hearts together in love. 
Keep our eyes focused on you. We ask all these things in Jesus' holy, powerful, and precious name. Amen.